welcome to episode five of the Gambots podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. Hi, it's Christian. This weekend, we're going to be giving you an update on the NFL and college football season two. Christian's going to let you know how his fantasy football team is faring. We will discuss Bojack Horseman season five that was just released on Netflix. Christian's going to be giving his thoughts on Simple Favor. We're going to talk about the rumors that Henry Cavill is going to be replaced in Superman. And finally, we're going to discuss the Nintendo Direct that occurred last week. But first, your NFL and college football update. This week in college football, there really wasn't anything that exciting. Uh, the biggest news was that was that LSU upset Auburn in a very close game that came down to a field goal on LSU's part. And interestingly, LSU's kicker was actually at some small school last year. So good on him for getting into the big leagues at this point. But otherwise, not much has changed. Alabama is still ranked number one. Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson are all still the top four teams. And more interesting news in the NFL. This week, the Vikings and Packers actually tied second tie in a week. I believe this is the first time that's ever happened in the first two weeks of the NFL season. The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Patriots in week two. Jaguar was up 31-20. It's hard to say in the first two weeks if the Patriots are falling, but I actually think the Jacksonville Jaguars may be a real team this year. Their defense is not something to discount. They're very good. And also the Rams look like they may be the best team in football right now. I think most interestingly, the Steelers, who were 13-3 and last year, seem to be having a team meltdown at this point. They lost to the Chiefs 42-37, a horrible defensive game by the Steelers. Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs' rookie quarterback, looked amazing. And it's hard to tell two games in if he's going to hold up, but he looks really good his first two games. But the Steelers' defense is horrible. Their team is melting down. Antonio Brown has sent cryptic tweets, which some people think might be that he wants a trade. What happened was an old Steelers PR guy tweeted that Antonio Brown should be happy that the Steelers drafted him, that he would be nothing without Ben Roethlisberger. Antonio Brown just responded saying, trade me and we'll see, which has people sort of in an uproar over, oh my gosh, is he actually asking for a trade? And also the Steelers already don't have Le'Veon Bell. The Steelers linemen had been bad-mouthing him for not coming to the games. The Steelers look like they are a mess. They're 0-1-1. They very well could go down. They play Tampa Bay next week, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing extremely well the first two weeks. If he keeps it up against this weak Steelers defense, Steelers could have a historically bad season. Speaking of the NFL, how was your fantasy this week, Christian? Well, it wasn't great. I'm not going to lie to you. So you brought up the Jaguars and the Patriots, and I have Blake Bortles on my team. But I benched him because they were playing the Patriots. And I've had Drew Brees in because they were playing the Browns. And in my league, Bortles ended up scoring about 20-plus more points than Brees did this week. And I got none of them. That's rough. I know the Browns have actually, even though they're also 0-1-1, they've looked strangely competitive for their first two games, especially against a good Saints team. Yeah, I picked up Bortles mainly as a joke because he's featured so heavily in one of my favorite TV shows, which is The Good Place. I just figured, meh, I'll pick up Blake Bortles just because Jason loves him so much. And look at that. He's ended up actually, like you said, Jacksonville could be a team this year. Now that's that's one of my favorite running jokes in a TV show. And I guess I don't know if it's considered a running joke, but his love of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Blake Bortles. 
Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. So I, I saw my opportunity and I took it, but it might actually end up working out for me. The problem is now I'm going to have a much harder choice between the two quarterbacks when I I really thought Bortles was just going to be put in when Breeze was on bye. Now I'm actually going to have a choice to make. But I still have one guy who's currently playing, uh, Robinson, for the Bears. But as it stands right now, I'm for sure going to lose. I'm down over 80 points. Oh, man. What are you at at the season? What's your record? After, after this week, I'll be one and one. All right. That's, a, I mean, not a, not a horrible start to your season. Still 500. Yeah. I got no points from either my kicker or my defense this week either. And my one of my wide receivers, Fitzgerald, is now questionable. Who is your defense? The Vikings. Oh, yeah. That's, that's rough. <laughs> They're a pretty good defense. I think they just had a bad matchup against the Packers. Even on a hobbled Aaron Rodgers, he's just so good. Yeah. So the fifth season of BoJack Horseman was released on September 14th. And Christian, you had a chance to binge watch this. What'd you think of it? I sure did. I loved every minute of it. Every season of BoJack has been better than the last. So this season, uh, I haven't seen it yet. And full disclosure, I haven't really watched since season two. I just got behind and I I need to catch up someday. But this season seems to be uh, the primary focus was on the Me Too movement. It was a big chunk of it. Yeah. How did they handle that? Interestingly, so an issue that Bojack's had in the past is that they made his character terrible, but they also made it relatable. People have been kind of using Bojack as a character to justify their own crappy behavior, and they really dived headfirst into that. They, they really leaned into it. They created an entire other show inside the show that is just a commentary on that. So there is a big chunk about violence towards women, and there's a big chunk about the Me Too movement and just crappy people getting forgiven by Hollywood very quickly. But the main running thing throughout the show is uh, Bojack playing this character in the show called Filbert and how he can't tell the difference between himself and the character anymore. And it's really a commentary on how real people can't use fictional characters to justify their own behavior. So do you think they do that well? Yeah, I think they do it really well. They are aware of the problems that their show has. They're aware that it's problematic, and they've actually taken really good strides to address and even kind of try to reverse the problems that they have. I believe it was this past, between season four and five, that the creators had taken some flack for Diane in the show is of, I believe, Vietnamese heritage, but they have a white woman voicing her. Was there any response to that choice in this that you saw, or am I just reaching? No, there definitely was. Alison Brie voices her, who is definitely a white woman, and, and you're right, she is the character is of Vietnamese heritage. And the entire second episode is just basically is dedicated to her going back to Vietnam and trying to reconnect with her heritage. And they do discuss representation a lot in that episode. And it's it's another instance, I think, of them trying to steer into the skid and really address the problems that they know they have. The showrunner called casting a white woman as a Vietnamese character their original sin. So they are definitely aware of of what's happening. And even if they hadn't taken strides, which they have, I think just that awareness makes them a lot better than many other shows that just throw caution to the wind and do whatever they want regardless. Honestly, the best episode of the, the season, and arguably one of the best episodes of the show or anything, was episode six. It's called Free Churro. And it's really bold. 
They have Bojack give what is essentially a 25-minute speech with no other characters and no other shots. It's just him behind a podium talking for 25 straight minutes. It's just a full episode-long monologue, and it is genuinely incredible. Do they have cutaways to they show other images, or it's it's just 25 minutes of Bojack sitting there talking? It's, there's a cold open where it's his dad talking, which is still voiced by Will Arnett. But then, yeah, it's it's about 20 straight minutes of just BoJack talking. There are no cutaways. Wow, that is crazy and sort of unheard of in animation. Yeah. Maybe in general, but especially animation. Yeah, I'd never seen anything like it. it. If it's been done, I hadn't heard about it. It was absolutely incredible. And the monologue blew me away. It's It's really something special. Will Arnett absolutely deserves an Emmy for that. And then, so one last thing I wanted to bring up from what I've heard of it was... So the big thing about Bojack is he has depression throughout the series uh, and how he deals with it. And he always views himself as a bad person, but he wants to be a good person, right? So he tries to do things sometimes selfishly, sometimes out of actual concern. But then he always does bad things. Like I can remember in season two, he tried to sleep with his ex's teenage daughter. And I hear all this comes to a head in this season because he does, we don't want to spoil too much, but he does something horrible at the end, which is why I brought up the Me Too movement earlier. Do you think the show's writers handled this correctly? Because it seems like they treat Bojack as a complex character where he's not beyond redemption, but he's also just not a good person. Yeah, so they pull the curtain back a little bit in this because we only know so much of Bojack's story. And Diane in the, the show, and this, this does get a little confusing because of the show within the show, but she critiques basically the show that they created as well as the show that they're on by saying that they made the hero more relatable and that made people like him, but then that made people kind of stop holding him accountable for things. And so we really do get more of a glimpse into Bojack's history, and it seems like there's more incidents like the one you brought up at the end of season two or what happens at the end of season five in here that we just don't know about. And so Bojack goes from being a complex character who's really funny and you just kind of ignore his faults to somebody being a lot darker than we were originally aware of. Now, this season is a lot about him trying to get a handle on himself, which, I mean, arguably all five seasons have so far. But they kind of have him dispense with the idea that his problems are what's wrong with him and they have him moving towards a more acceptance of he's the problem. So he's moving away from, Oh, alcohol was the problem or the drugs were the problem or all these other things to just being, maybe I'm the problem. And a lot of people in this show in this season are dealing with that. Mr. Peanut butter has an arc where he's recognizing that he might be the reason that his marriages keep falling apart. And there's uh, a few other arcs like that. But there is definitely a acceptance in Bojack during this season of he's in charge and he has radical freedom, which means he can do anything he wants, including get better anytime he wants. He's he's the problem. That's why I like the two seasons I saw of Bojack Horseman. And as you said, it seems to be it, it only gets better is this takes real it it deals with some real issues especially in animation that you don't get to see dealt with like depression or recognizing issues in your life and they handle it in ways that are funny but ways that are also poignant and speak to people uh which other shows just don't really do yeah i've i've fallen in love with the show it just keeps getting better and they're really good at doing these 
weird concept episodes that have a great a great message and a great point and they're really well done like the the you like the monologue episode this season or in season three there was an episode that took place all underwater and so there was no dialogue the entire time and in season four there was an episode that took place entirely inside the mind of a dementia patient it's really been incredible so would you recommend we'll check out this season absolutely the the new season came on friday morning at three in the morning and i don't expect anyone to share the dedication i have but i watched it starting at three in the morning and i watched it straight through Wow. So if you guys are interested, it's a 12-episode season. BoJack runs, what, 25 minutes an episode, somewhere yep. around there? It's a little under six hours to check it all out. So this week, you saw a simple favor. This is an American mystery thriller uh, directed by Paul Feige. Uh, what did you think of it? It was rough for me. I'm not going to lie. Why is that? Well, it was well acted. I'll start there. Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively were both excellent. So was Henry Golding, who interestingly is was just in Crazy Rich Asians. So everybody in the movie was very good. It just, it wasn't very well constructed. There was so much back and forth between who's lying to who about what and what's the plan. To give an overview, Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick become friends. Blake Lively goes missing. And so it's about Anna Kendrick and Henry Golding, who's Blake Lively's husband, trying to figure out what happened to this woman. And then all the, all the tangled web that appears during the investigation and during her disappearance. And there was just so much to follow. The story wrapped back and forth around itself several times. And by the time the final confrontation really happened, I honestly couldn't tell who was working with who and who had betrayed who and what was really happening at all. What, what genre was this really just a mystery thriller or was this a, also a comedy? Did this have some comedy to it? Cause I know Paul Feige usually does um, stuff associated with comedy. Yeah. And I typically like his work. It was mainly a mystery thriller. There were a few funny moments but they were definitely secondary to the main plot. So looking at this, you actually have somewhat of a counter opinion in Rotten Tomatoes. It looks like people generally like it with the 83%. Where do you think you differ with them on that? I honestly couldn't tell you. I know a few people that watched it that came out and told me it was incredible. They thought it was great. And I just, I honestly can't tell where they're coming from. Maybe they were just paying closer attention than I was. Maybe they just didn't care that they weren't following it that closely. But like I said, it was well acted. If you just went in to see people do a good job acting it up, it was a good movie and there were funny lines in it. The plot didn't really hold water for me. So it's interesting because last week we actually talked about a mystery thriller too. Uh, what do you think Searching did better or what do you think this did worse And as to why you like Searching versus A Simple Favor? I think Searching was just simpler. It had one twist, and it was a great twist. But this one had six or seven of them. And you got the first one about halfway through the movie, and then they were just kind of rapid fire after that. It just became too confusing. In other movie news, last week it came out that Henry Cavill might be leaving the DC Cinematic Universe on top of Ben Affleck, but that's been rumored for a while. The Henry Cavill one's... A lot more of a surprise, and even today, it looked like those rumors are almost all but confirmed. How do you think DC handles this departure? I think they're kind of ready for it. So 
I guess this came to a head because they were trying to get him to do a cameo in the Shazam movie that's coming out next year, and they just couldn't make it work with scheduling. But I think with how poorly Batman versus Superman was received and how poorly the Justice League was received, they had already canceled Man of Steel 2. So I think they were a little more prepared for this than they would have been if those movies hadn't done so poorly. This isn't actually the first time Cavill's had problems with filming, uh, scheduling. If you remember with Justice League, the huge thing was they had to digitally remove his mustache because they wouldn't let him shave it for Mission Impossible. Yeah, so that was after Joss Whedon joined the project after Zack Snyder departed because of a personal tragedy. And he really called for a bunch of reshoots and they tried to shoehorn humor into it. And it, it kind of worked and kind of not. So it seems like how the idea was, too, is they were going to transition away from Superman and bring Supergirl into focus. So they're go- maybe yeah. they'll try and do a soft reboot by getting a new Superman after the fact. Because they're in a bit of a weird situation right now. They can't just scrap this entire cinematic universe because they've put four movies in so far. And Wonder Woman is actually very popular. They have Wonder Woman 1984, I believe, already in production. You have Aquaman coming out soon. There's a Flash movie in production. They have too much tied up into it, but you can't just all of a sudden have a new Superman. Well, you can, but it would be a bold move just to have a new actor play Superman. Yeah, like you said, they're they're real wrapped up in it. Four movies out and three already on the slate. Aquaman this year, Wonder Woman next year, and Flash the year after that. I could see them trying to write Superman out somehow. Supergirl comes in and he just retires or something. It would be weird. But they've also started talking about replacing him. There was a quote where they said that Superman's like James Bond. After so many movies, you just have to get a new actor, which a strange concept to me. Yeah. Interestingly, I think they hurried his comeback to Justice League too quickly. Had they have held off on reviving him? They could have just revived him as a new actor and then said something along the Doctor Who lines where it's like, oh, when you revive, you change a little bit. They could have had some canon reason for it. But I think they're wrong about this being like James Bond. Like people expect James Bond to be different and they expect new actors to play Superman or new actors to play Batman. But when you're positing it, this, you know, this is going to be the same person for sequels. There's usually a trilogy or something where those actors play those characters. They don't change halfway through that specific version of Superman's story. Yeah, it definitely felt like a, a false equivalency. That's It didn't make a whole lot of sense to just say, oh, yeah, we can change actors whenever we want because James Bond changes. Like that's, that's not how any of this really works. I'm really interested to see what they do with this because overall the DC universe has been, and at least the cinematic universe, has been lackluster since, I mean, I guess I would say Dark Knight Rises, but for me, really, the just the Dark Knight. They haven't had a huge, huge hit that everyone's loved. Yeah, Wonder Woman's probably the closest they've come. Wonder Woman was really, really fantastic, but that's really the only one of the four movies that have come out in the DCU that has really struck a chord with audiences. That was good. I I wasn't thinking of that one entirely. Also, I hope Aquaman's good because I really like Jason Momoa in the Justice League. I thought he was did a good job, so I'm hoping that's good. But overall, if you change... The actors for your for your two main characters of Batman and Superman at the same time. I think that's just jarring to audiences. Yeah, that's going to be rough. That'll pull people out of it. I'm also hoping Aquaman is good because I, I fully agree with you. I love Jason Momoa in Justice League. Based on the trailers, I'm really not expecting much, but I'm still hopeful. 
this would have been a really good time for them to just scrap what they had planned and go a different direction with, you know, comic book universe for DC, except like we said earlier, they have everything in production and Gal Gadot was amazing in Wonder Woman. It's going to be so weird if they try and do a soft reboot where they only her story is somehow canon to new stories and they retcon old stuff. It's going to turn into the X-Men universe at that point, which everyone knows. Like, you can do it, but everyone knows it's confusing and not that great. Yeah, at least with Batman exiting, they kind of created this version of Batman as old Batman. Like, he's been doing this for decades. At least he would have a reasonable cause to like step out of the series even if a new batman came in they could just say oh ben affleck's batman retired because he was so old that made sense so the, the thing i think the most interesting that comes out of this is just the wild speculation of who's going to be the new superman there's been names out thrown out there the most i don't know how likely it is but the most interesting i think is michael b jordan uh, I'm sure that would actually be the most inflammatory pick just based on when Roland from Stephen King's novels, The Dark Tower, was chosen to be a person of color and audiences were very angry about it. Uh, I couldn't imagine if they did that with Superman, how much backlash there would be from certain dem- uh, certain portion of the population. I would love to see a black Superman. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think Michael B. Jordan, maybe not the best pick just because he's already played two superheroes in the past two years, three years. He was the Human Torch in the Fantastic Four reboot, and he was Killmonger in Black Panther. I mean, we've seen with Chris Evans being multiple superheroes in different universes, as well as, well, Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Reynolds. It's not impossible to shake an old persona for a new one, but I think doing three might be pushing it. Uh, Another interesting actor I've seen name thrown out there is actually Chris Evans, which I think might be a pipe dream, but his Marvel contract is coming up. It would be very interesting to see if DC actually does go after him to play Superman, because as Captain America, he, he has that look. He looks like he has the build to play Superman. It would just be weird to see him as also the Human Torch, then Captain America, then Superman. Yeah, I think that's too much. Do you have any actor you think would be good to take over the role? Nobody's serious. I I really have a hard time with this kind of stuff. But as as a little bit of fun, I'd like to throw out Gerard Butler. We could also turn back the clock a little bit and try to finally get the Nicolas Cage Superman we were supposed to get in the late 80s. I, I think that's run. I don't think Nick Cage ever gets that role. He <laughs> had one chance and he lost it. The most interesting and I think actually possibly likely source I saw out there was Matt Bomber. Yeah, I really liked him in White Collar because Superman's a larger superhero. Henry Cavill was six one. He was surprisingly under 200 pounds for those roles. He was at 194. I looked up Matt Bomber. Matt Bomber's like 5'11 and three quarters, something like that. And he weighs 176, so he'd have to put on 20 pounds of muscle or so for the role. But I think I think he could pull it off. Yeah, he could be he could be good. He was very good in white collar. One of the people that I saw thrown out there that I thought was pretty likely was Alexander Skarsgård, who recently was the new Tarzan in the live action Tarzan movie. And I think he really looks the part. Yeah, he could he could be a good one too. He's a bigger guy. I think though, if they go for it. 
at least for most successful superhero stars, you need they need to pick an actor who isn't in the national eye, so to say, because if you already know who that person is, I think it's harder to suspend your disbelief. Like if they chose someone, like you said, like Nick Cage as Superman, it's them playing that character. It's not necessarily that character themselves. Uh, yeah. That's why I think a lot of the successful actors in superhero movies have generally been lesser known people prior to them taking those roles. Yeah. I remember rereading an article just a few months ago that came out oh, years and years and years ago saying that Marvel was really taking a gamble casting two unknowns in Thor and it was Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. And they're now two of the biggest names in, in movies. I think that really can build their career. Uh, I don't know much. I don't was Gal Gadot that big before. Uh, she took her role? Uh, yes and no. She'd been in a few things. She'd been in a bunch of the Fast and Furious movies. Okay. Oh, yeah. I forgot. She was uh, Han's girlfriend, wasn't she? Yeah. And then uh, Robert Downey Jr. is obviously famous before he took his role and Chris Evans to a certain extent. But, yeah, I think they, they take someone who has experience but is not a household name right now. So last week, Nintendo had their newest Nintendo Direct where they revealed all information. What did you think were some of the more interesting things? There were a couple things. The NES controllers, I think, are pretty cool. I'm a big fan of throwback stuff like that, and seeing them the wireless NES controllers was pretty fun for me. I saw they're doing a Katamari Damacy remake, which begs the question why, but it really brought me back to my childhood. I remember that being out when I was a little kid. And... Uh, they're making a yarn Kirby, which, once again, I'm not really clear on who is asking for that. It's like they're trying to take Paper Mario and just make crafts versions of all their most famous properties. But we'll see. Maybe it'll be a fun game. Yeah, they've tried that. They have uh, Yoshi's Woolly World, which is another yarn-based game. And people generally like them. But if I'm not mistaken, they might have done a Kirby thing prior on the Wii U, but I just can't remember. But it's, it's an interesting art style, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things on here that I thought were really interesting is they're going to be re-releasing the new Super Mario Brothers as new Super Mario Brothers Deluxe, which was from the new Super Mario Brothers game on the Wii U. I thought it was a really fun game. It seems to be a little bit overshadowed because the Wii U was sold so, so poorly, but it was a good 2D Mario game. Uh, another interesting thing is they're releasing Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy X, X-2, and twelve. The Zodiac Age. For whatever reason, they're skipping Final Fantasy VIII, but that's cool to see those guys on Nintendo consoles. Uh, all of those are pretty good games. I'm interested in Game Freak, the guys who develop Pokemon. They're releasing a new game where you fight monsters. Don't know much about that, but that also looks interesting. But the main thing I want to talk about is Nintendo Online finally got a showcase and it's being released on September 18th. Since the Switch has been released, Nintendo has offered free online for their games. And in their defense, the entire time they said this is not going to be how it is for the life of the console. We're essentially going to give you a year free. And then after that, we're going to have our own online service that you have to pay for, much like PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, they finally revealed what that online service is, and it is, I think, lacking. The good things about it is it's $20 a year, which is $40 cheaper than both PlayStation and Xbox's uh, yearly memberships. 
when you sign up for it, you get access to at the very beginning, 12, 20 uh, NES games that you can download and play that have been updated to some extent where they have save states, they have leaderboards. So that's cool. You get 20 free NES games that you can play with it. And that's about the extent where I think Nintendo does a good job with this. Here are the drawbacks of their online service. Number one, with those NES games, you have to have your console sign in every seven days to verify it, or else after seven days you can't play that if your console's online and you'll have to re-sign into the internet to them to verify that you still have the service, I guess, to play those games, which just doesn't make any sense to me. If you take your uh, Switch with you on a trip, you're not going to have internet access for 10 days, something like that. You'll be able to play games for seven of them and not the last three. Makes no sense to me why they require you to check in if these are working. If your subscription goes out, it goes out. At the very least, they should have, if they're worried about people buying for a month and then get re- getting rid of it, have it check every 30 days, actual term of a month, not seven days. The other problems that I have with the online system are they have introduced no actual features that you expect when you're playing online. They don't have voice chat, which is ridiculous. Other companies figured out voice chat 10, 11 years ago. I mean, the Xbox 360 had voice chat and party chat. It makes no sense why Nintendo does it. Their solution to having voice chat in a game is you have to use your, you have to download an app on your phone and then use multiple cables to hook it into the controllers to have voice chat, which is ridiculous. You should just call someone at that point. Why would you even use this horrible system for voice chat? You're paying $20 for the ability to finally have to back up your saves to an online cloud for Nintendo. Because for whatever reason, Nintendo doesn't let you back up your Switch saves. Uh, So if you lose your Switch, everything's locked to your account. If you lose your Switch, it's destroyed. You lose all your saves. You're not getting those back. You lose all the games you pay for. So if you do sign up for it now, you can use the cloud serve uh, saves. But the big issue is the cloud saves don't work on all their games. It only works on select games. And they're specifically excluding online heavy games from this. Games like Splatoon 2, Dark Souls Remaster. But you can use it in Mario Kart for whatever reason. It's really inconsistent. Jim Sterling did a really good video outlining the ludicrous reasoning behind it. Nintendo claims it's because they're worried that People could cheat the system with backup saves for whatever reason in games like Splatoon 2. But Splatoon 2 right now is rampant with hackers, which they've done nothing to curtail. So it makes no sense why their system is like this. It's just a mess. And Nintendo always does this for what how good their games are, how good their systems are. They, for whatever reason, shoot themselves in the foot time and time again when it comes to online functionality of their systems. I mean, every other company has figured this out, and Nintendo is always one step forward, two steps back on it. And it just boggles my mind as a company why they can't get it. I mean, Christian, they still implement friend codes. You can't just use your username to find other people. You have to send them like a 12-digit code for people (laughs) to find you. I think the Wii U had a better online ecosystem than these guys do, and they're making you pay $20 to use it. And then some of them are actually excluded. Fortnite's excluded from it. It just, it's haphazard. It makes no sense. I can't believe you have to plug your phone into the controller to to talk to people. It makes no sense. Who would do that? Yeah, that's wild. And also, if I'm just getting my Nintendo gripes in, I signed it up for like the Nintendo Life account or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And half the rewards I had for it have expired because you couldn't use anything for it on the Switch for the first year. And your um, they all the points you have only last six months to twelve months. And it's like, what other company has those expire in those time frames? It doesn't make any sense. Also, I forgot on your online saves. If you let your your service lapse for even one day, they just delete all your saves. They don't have any grace period. PlayStation has a six month grace period. I think Xbox is all the time. I think they're just automatic. You don't even need to pay for it with your service. It's just part of the Xbox. Nintendo just wipe your saves, which again, why? Why would you, why was that your offering? If you're going to charge people, the people who are going to pay online for the Nintendo Switch are going to be the people who would prefer it to be better and would be willing to pay the extra 40 bucks for it to be good instead of a crappy half measure that makes no one happy. All right, so now we're moving on to our Amazon 20 questions style review game. Uh, this week, Christian's going to be reading the clues, and I'll be guessing. All right, so this week I picked a movie that I know you're pretty fond of, so I guess I will just dive right in. The first review is called I'll Be Watching This Movie Over and Over by Camilla Miller. I watched this years ago with my daughter. It affects me deeply, stirred up feelings about trees as a young girl. It has comedic moments, but there isn't a laugh out loud sort of moment, at least not for me. It frequently wanders into the supremely surreal. Uh, is this a mockumentary? Yes. Is it about dogs? No. All right, I need another review then. I got really on best of show right there. <laughs> All right, the second review is called My Favorite Movie by Michael. To me, this film is about really believing in something and persisting while others have their doubts. There are also aspects of teaching the younger generation and passing on beliefs and the way rebirth can happen when you reach for your dreams. I think Wes Anderson does a fantastic job of turning this movie into a story, almost a storybook. The effects are meant to blend the viewer's reality with their imagination. I've seen this movie about five times and it always goes deeper and deeper. Enjoy. Uh, Does this have to do with submarines? Yes. Uh, Is it the Life Aquatic? Yes, it is. Oh, man. Yeah, as soon as you said Wes Anderson, I was like, oh, I got this. <laughs> Dude, that's, I think that's my favorite Wes Anderson movie. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. It's so good. I, I actually think it's maybe one of his less popular ones, but of his, I, I think it's hilarious. I think my favorite is Isle of Dogs. It just came out this past year. That's a good one. Um, me and I uh, went to go see it when I had Movie Pass, actually. <laughs> <laughs> guys well thanks for checking out our show what are you going to be trying to consume this week christian i've got a short story coming out by my favorite author it's called legion it's uh, the third installment by brandon sanderson this is called lies of the beholder and on the same day he's actually putting out an anthology of all three of them in one book because they've only really been available as ebooks up till this point so The Many Lives of Stephen Leeds is going to become available as an actual book that I'm going to be getting. So that'll be fun. Uh, I also finished Birth by Sleep this week. So I'm going to be moving on to Kingdom Hearts 1 because I'm trying to play them in chronological order. So that'll be taking up a big chunk of my time, I'm sure. So this week, I'm going to be playing some more Horizon Zero Dawn. I put about maybe three, four more hours into it. Such a good game. It handles so well, and setting traps on hanging dinosaurs is awesome. I played a little bit more of Slay the Spire that I talked about last week, 
I actually picked up a game called Hollow Knight on the Switch. It's pretty fun so far. I'm interested to check it out. It had a lot of rave reviews when it came out. So looking forward to jumping into that. And I also picked up the game called Enter the Gungeon, which is top-down, I think, roguelite. I haven't played too much of it where you just unlock a lot of guns. And so far, it's been pretty good. I haven't loved the controls on the Switch, I think of how their shoulder buttons are, but overall it's still, it's still been pretty cool. So hopefully next week uh, or in the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to talk more about those games. All right, guys, thanks for listening to us. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Gambots Network. Uh, you'll probably want to check out next week's episode. We're going to be doing something a little bit different. As Halloween's coming up, we're going to li- make a list of 31 movies we think you guys should check out for Halloween. But thanks for listening, guys. See you later.